Me, my family was driving uh, down to um, to uh, Florida, and uh, there's an elder. His name is Ronald Doderlin, and uh, oh, brother Doderlin, he had been working. Uh, he had been working very, very uh, diligently to prepare uh, the uh, Sarasota area for this evangelism training. About 10, 12 congregations were going to be attending. They had uh, they had uh, announced it and literally had written. They had reserved hotel rooms. And uh, so we, we arrived and uh, we were we were really riding a high note. We were averaging a baptism every single day. Um, it, it just kept growing. We, we, we pulled into um, to the uh, Sarasota congregation, met their preacher elders, uh, began the seminar. And I looked out at my audience and it was uh, 200 plus people uh, taking time off of work uh, to learn how to be soul winners. I could not have been more encouraged. And I, I, there was a question I've been wanting to ask and it was just just an opportune time to do it. So so I did it. I want to know how many Christians in the audience have a method to win a soul for Christ. You have something that you can use that you can win a soul for Christ. So I was going to do it just a um, anecdotal. I understand it may not represent uh, may not represent Westside, may not represent uh, uh, um, any other congregation. But in, in that area, I wanted to know how many Christians were equipped to win a soul for Christ. Guess how many people raised their hand? Ten people. Brother, I'm, I'm in a congregation of, of those who've taken time off work. They've, they've driven here. They're going to be with us all week. This is, a, this is, this is not just the average church member per se. This, these are individuals that have put their, they, they, they spent the money. They, they, they've taken off their time. So they, these are heart and soul church members. How many of you have a method to teach someone the gospel of Christ? I ten, ten hands go up. And at that point, I realized we have a serious problem. If our church members are not armed with a method to teach someone the gospel of Christ, brethren, they're not going to teach someone the gospel of Christ. And so the Great Commission is a teaching commission. Brethren, it's not a reading commission. It's not a commission where you just sit down and read the book of Acts. I wish it was that simple. I would love for us to just, we'll just sit down and read. The average person isn't just going to sit down and read the book of Acts and all, all of a sudden an epiphany just comes to them. Well, this is... You know, I see everything that I need to do. It's in there. But that's why in Romans 10, he talks about the the feet of those that teach others the gospel. Blessed are the feet of those because it's a teaching commission. No, the, the Christian religion is a taught religion. John 6, 44 and 45. It is a religion that requires teaching. And so so a lot of Christians feel inadequate. Because we understand that we can't, we can't just open the book of Acts and read the book of Acts. You know, I'm, there's nothing wrong with reading the Bible. But, but we understand that it requires some teaching. And we, we begin to question, am I capable of teaching? So I've, I've not attended a preaching school. I, I, I don't know Greek. I, 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 I've never been to a Christian university. I don't know if I'm capable of doing it tonight. What I want to do is I want to place a tool in the hands of every person. You're accountable tonight. If you can read tonight, you can teach someone the gospel of Christ. So you have in your hands the uh, Back to the Bible. There's three booklets. Open your Evangelism Simplified Guidebook. They, they're, they're kind of in that guidebook. Those three booklets, I've got to tell you tonight about their history. I want to tell you about why they're important. They were developed by Brother Bobby Bates. Bobby was an incredible soul winner. He actually developed them while he was at Bear Valley. And um, the, the, the story behind their development is, is really remarkable. Brother, Brother Bates uh, was a friend of Jewel Miller. He knew Ivan Stewart. They, 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 uh, they, they consulted one another. Brother Bates wanted to, to, to put together a simple, a very simple Bible study method. You know, most people don't know this. I didn't know this. When Ivan Stewart, when, when um, Jewel Miller put together through the Bible series, you know, the film strip study, do you know that was not intended to be an evangelistic tool? 
Do you know what that was designed to do? That was new convert studies. That was, it was never intended, and it became one of the greatest evangelistic tools the church has ever seen. So Brother Bates, I'm going to put, so here's what he did. He took his students, and he, one question at a time, he built it. And um, he, would, he would ask questions. He would use it in the first year, the second year. He'd put more questions together, section by section. He was really big in the campaign work. And so he'd send the students out. They, he, he would test it. He'd come back and tell me, what they say? What were the answers? And, and so he would tweak it. He, he started getting it together. And then he noticed a trend. And the trend kept continuing. And uh, Wilma said he would come home and he'd just be frustrated. He said, Wilma, he said, the second year students go out with this material and the first year, I, I don't even know the names of the students in the first year. This is an early campaign. He says, and the first year students baptize more people than the second year students. The second year students have gone through the class. They know all the details. They have it all down. And every single year, the first year students baptize more people than the second year students. And I know why. He said, because the second year students want to teach the prospect everything they've learned at the school of preaching. And the first year students know nothing but back to the Bible. And so all they do is open it up and they take them to back to the Bible and they're converting. The second year students see John 8, 32 is just not good enough. We're going to dissect what the word truth means. We're going to tell you the context, the historical analysis. We're going to use comparative passages. We're going to get up to Strong's Concordance, Thayer's and Bowers and everything else. And we're going to give you the whole load. People don't need that. You know what they need? Simplicity. But they need something that's easy to understand. And so tonight... The, the fact that you haven't gone to university, the fact that you are not a theologian in, uh, in the world of academia tonight, that you don't understand uh, uh, all the complex syllogisms and the various arguments and the backgrounds of all the religious neighbors is to your benefit. If all you know this book and all you know is a back to the Bible, you have an advantage. It's, it's preachers like myself that really struggle it's, it's because I got to hold back. I, I, I've got a lot of information in this head, and I'm trying to not say it. I'm trying to not get it out there because I, I'm my own worst enemy. I get in the way. Sometimes when I'm, I'm with preachers, I'll, I'll say that, you know who needs back to the Bible more than anybody? Preachers. Because it keeps us from getting in the way. It keeps us from telling people more than they need to, to know. And, and, and I, I, when I graduated from Southwest, I, several of the students at that school, I actually, actually baptized them. And, and, um, and in fact, Mel was with me. And I, again, I thought I knew everything there was to know about evangelism. I didn't know a lot. I couldn't have been more wrong. Rudy Kane was my teacher. He was one of the best. Bobby Bates was one of his dearest friends. He taught us back to the Bible. Let me tell you what I did. I went to Poole, Kentucky, my first work. I, and uh, I said, I, I want to convert somebody. So I, it's a little town, gas station, a little bank, a barber shop, a little restaurant, um, a church. Uh, it's 300 people. So uh, I said, where am I going to meet people? Barber shop. So I went up to the barber shop. And I said, you sit in a bar. It's like a women going to the hair salon, you know. You're going to get everything there is to know about the community at the hair salon. Well, I sat there at the barber shop, and his name was Carol Whitledge. I got to know Carol. Carol and I became friends. I said, Carol, you know what? Have you ever had brisket? What's brisket? They don't know what barbecue is in Kentucky. I said, it's, uh, I said I'll, I'll make you brisket. Come on. He said, all right. So I got Carol eating in my house, got the Bibles. You know, Carol, can I tell you more about the church? Well, sure, about the church. I, I just so happened to have these booklets. So I didn't know what to do. And I said, I'm going to try these back to the Bible. It was a Baptist in the local church, not three weeks later. And after we saw that conversion, Nicole and I looked at each other. I think they work. And we just started using them. And I used them more and more and more. And brethren, for the last 20 plus years, I've been using these little booklets. 
And I want to share with you some things I've learned about him. And I want to put a tool in your hand tonight. Don't forget, brethren, how serious it is. In the last, uh, in the last uh, um, uh, anal- analysis of our, our current status, we're losing 62.5 congregations annually. And that's not adjusted for COVID. Remember that uh, 7,600 members of the church, if we include the 2021 numbers, that's our annual loss. So this isn't, this isn't something we can put on the back burner. This isn't one of the checkbox items. We, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've, uh, you know, we've done our evangelism of the year. Brethren, this has got to be your life. This has got to become the life of every child of God. Evangelism must drive us. I don't, I'm not, if, if all I accomplish is motivating you, I fail. Because motivation doesn't last very long. Coaches motivate their team. It may last for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, hopefully to the end of the game. But it doesn't last a lifetime. Brethren, you must be a driven man or woman tonight. This has got to be inside you. In other words, you can't stop. And if once you start evangelizing, you'll understand you really can't stop. It's something that you'll never be able to put down. We've got to see these numbers reversed. We're losing a generation of Christians that don't know how to evangelize. Literally, a generation has risen. They don't know personal Bible study. And, uh, but we still have a million members in the Lord's church. We have the manpower. The Lord doesn't need uh, large numbers. In fact, uh, if one thing the Old Testament teaches us, the Lord plus one is a majority. Right? We don't have to have a billion. We don't need to have a massive army. In fact, on many occasions, Jesus, God said, your army's too large. We don't need that many. So we got to arm our Christians. we got to train them how to evangelize. Back to the Bible is a, is a study that is predicated on 2 Timothy 2.2. I want you to think about it. When I was going to the school of preaching in Austin, Texas, there was a placard in our, our, our devotional hall, and it had it on there. Maybe every, I don't know, Bear Valley might have this mic. I don't know. And just about every school of preaching does. Uh, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's the authority for training preachers right there. And it is. There's no, it's undeniable. But i got a question for the church tonight. What in that verse limits it to schools of preaching? What in that verse says that only schools of preaching are responsible for training others to teach others? Brethren, that is congregational. It is my firm conviction tonight, if we cannot get our local churches spending time every single year training their church members how to evangelize, we will not succeed. God did not intend for the evangelistic efforts of the local church to rest on your preacher. It's not biblical. Brethren, it doesn't work. I don't care how good he is. I don't care how energetic he becomes. I don't care how wonderful his wife is. It doesn't matter how long he's been here, how big his smile is. He can't carry the church on his back. It doesn't work. The only way a church achieves the success that God knows she can achieve is to train the body to do their job. The body is not one member, but many. Every child of God has a place in the evangelistic strategy of the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach. Not go ye therefore and pass out Bibles. Go ye therefore and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. You have heard it from your youth. Most of you could not can quote it. Your preacher uh, recites it repeatedly all year long. 
And it is the Great Commission in Africa. It is the Great Commission in New Zealand. It is the Great Commission in Tanzania. It is the Great Commission in India. I'm not so sure it's the omitted commission here. I'm not so sure in our own country it's become the omitted commission. And uh, because we'll spend how much money? How, how many boards of directors of elderships have we put together to make sure that we get the gospel to every country on the face of this earth? How many widows' homes? How many, uh, how many children's homes? How many Bible schools? How many preaching schools? How many uh, 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 various benevolent uh, uh, works? Have we, we sent hundreds, if not millions of dollars annually overseas to make sure they get the gospel? And when it comes to local missions, what's your budget? I know. For most churches, oh, uh, that's our preacher. That's what we pay our preachers. That's our, we got a big evangelistic budget here. And, and that's the line item. Brother, may I submit to you that's the wrong way to look at this? You see, you're, you're a local preacher. You don't pay someone to do your evangelism for you. It's, it's not something we farm out. You see, it's not just a preacher's job. Yes, he should be an example of it. Your preacher should be involved in it, but he can't do it by himself. This has got to be a congregational work. And when the church of Christ is at her optimum, when she's working together, when the hands and the eyes and the feet, not, not, not separately, not you got the VBS crowd, you got the Bible camp crowd, and you got the graduation banquet choir crowd, and we got the pew packer crowd, and, and we got the last leaders crowd over here. And, and it, no, you see, they all work together. And there's one goal of everybody. And we're all going to try to work in harmony to get there. We want to save sinners. Everything we do is about saving sinners. It's got to be collective. You know, if the ears and the hands don't cooperate, the body doesn't function very well. And so we want, we want DBS, we want Bible class, and uh, we want uh, house to house, heart to heart, and we want benevolence, and we want all the works of the church to, to have one mission, and that is to save souls. I read this letter in every seminar, and uh, because he hit the bullseye, and I don't know how to do a better job, so I'm just going to read it again. My name is Rick McCurdy. He says, I preach for the Jamestown Church of Christ in Jamestown, New York. I recently heard Rob Whitaker's five lessons on becoming a soul winner. After each of Rob's lessons, I was overcome with sorrow. The sorrow was from the realization that although, after graduating from a school of preaching, by the way, although I know the Bible and can preach it competently to the brethren, I am woefully inadequate to teaching it to those outside the Lord's church. Notice what he said. He said, time after time, Rod spoke about things we ought not to do. And time after time, I admitted, I I do that. Things like chasing rabbits, something we do to ease the doubts of the brethren. Telling instead of showing. Allowing the unbeliever to guide the study. Brethren, I I came to realize that while the school had prepared me well to preach to the brethren, I had not learned how to preach to those outside. Brethren, I believe we have men who can preach to crowds of 5,000 but I'm not sure they can do a Bible study with one person. That's the realization that I came to. I was better equipped to stand before a crowd at Willette of 300 brethren every single Sunday morning than I was to go do a Bible study with someone across the street. And so we, this, this training has got to begin to take place. I said earlier, I, 
I, I counted a few days ago, and I, I, I got eight schools right now. Eight schools are preaching Christian universities that bring us in. They say, here, here, here are the preachers. Sometimes not just the preachers. Here's the wise. Here, here are families. And, and, and we're going to spend time. We're just going to train you how to win souls. Now, I think we need to know the book of Genesis. And we need to know the book of Matthew. But brethren, we need to learn how to do Bible studies, not from the 1950s, not in the 1970s. We had to learn how to do Bible studies in 2020. We're not living in the same country even 20 years ago. Brethren, our country is changing more rapidly now than it has ever changed. The culture is changing dramatically. When Bobby Bates put back to the Bible together, 90% of the country believed in God. More than 90%. Not anymore. When Bobby Bates put back to the Bible together, most people went to church. Not anymore. So we're dealing with a culture that's very different. And we have got to adapt to that culture. And that's some of what I want to talk about today. Several years ago, I was at polishing the pulpit and a preacher grabbed me and he said, Hey, Rob, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, Sure. He pulled me aside. He said, Man, when I hear you guys are growing and you got this evangelism training you're doing. I said, Yes, sir. He said, um, he said uh, Man, I got to know. He said, what method of the gospel are you using? What, what, are, what, what are you doing out there? And I said, I said, brother, I said, I'm going to defer it. <laughs> I, said, I said, that's a great question. I said, uh, I said do, you, do you like to win souls? He said, yes, yes. He, I said, I said How, do, you, do you enjoy getting with sinners and spending? Yes, I, I do. And I said, all right. And, and uh, when you sit down with a sinner, let's just say you're just conversing with them. I said, what do you do to bring them to the cross? What, what, is, what is it that you, how do you get to them? He says, well... He said, I really don't have a method. He said, I kind of just open up the Bible and we just start reading. And I got to pick out some things and show it to him. I said, all right. I said, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not opposed to that. I said, brethren, I said, I'm glad you can do that. Obviously, you went to school. Obviously, you had some training because the average. Here's my question. How are you going to teach the average church member to do that? How's the average member in the pew going to just open up their Bible and bring out a few verses and bring them to the cross? They can't do it. Brethren, he had no method. So I looked up and I saw this guy about six foot three. He walked in the church building with his wife and four children. Never seen him. Grabbed Nicole. We walked up to him. I said, hey, my name's Rob. And he said, uh, name's Jonathan Royal. I said, Jonathan, nice to meet you. And my, this is my wife, Nicole. She is my wife, Stephanie. Good to meet you. My, my children, Johnny. And, and uh, just went down the, the line. And, and I said, all right. I said, uh, you guys visiting this morning? He said, sure am. I said, from the community? Sure are. I said, may I ask, may I ask are you, have you been invited by someone here that you know? He, I said, did you know? He said, uh, you invited me. I said, well, excuse me? He said, well, he said, someone here at this church invited me. He said, several months ago, I just moved from Florida. And uh, someone knocked on my door and gave me a house-to-house, heart-to-heart. And uh, this magazine here, I've been keeping it. Now, I got up this morning. I, it was laying on my table. And I said, family? He said, we're going to church. And we haven't gone to church. Any-. He said, so we just, he said, since you came to us first, we thought we'd give you the first crack at us. I said, pretty good stuff right there. I said, great. And um, I said, uh, all right. He said, I said, well, I hope you enjoyed the service. So we went through the Bible class worship service. You know, people are very friendly as they should. I walked up to him. I said, Jonathan, what'd you think? He said, man, I enjoyed it. He said, he said, my family enjoyed this. this. I said, I tell you what, my wife and I just happen to have this custom. And uh, I said, why don't you come to our house and grab a lot to eat? I said, my wife is a good cook, my daughter. I said, we'll just get together. And he, I, said, I said, you named the time. And he said, I don't want to go to your house. He said, I don't know who you are. 
And I said, well, I said, okay. Um, he caught me, caught me by surprise. And I said, what do you propose? He said, you can come to mine. So I can go to your house. You can't come to my house. All right, all right. And I'm not, I said, where, where, what day do you want me to come? He said, what about the Tuesday, 2 o'clock? I said, all right, I'll be there. So I got, I got out there with my kids. I said, Jared, Hannah, grab anything that says ball, football, basketball, volleyball, soccer ball, whatever. So your job is to get those kids out of that house. He's got four of them. I don't want to see them. I said, I'm going to do a Bible study. I have one mission. So I walked into the house. Jared and Hannah took him outside to play some football. And, um, and uh, I grabbed my back to the Bible. We're sitting around the uh, uh, table. Stephanie's made some tea. We're drinking some tea. And uh, I said, you guys know anything about the Church of Christ? Not a lot. I just so happen to have these booklets right here. I said, um, and I said, let's look at these together. Uh, John 8, 32. Honey, grab the Bibles right over here. And uh, Nicole passed out the Bibles, you know. And, and uh, he said, now, wait, wait, wait just a minute, preacher. He said, I need to tell you something about us. I said, all right. He said, we're from Florida. I said, I like Floridians. He said, well, he said, he says, uh, he says, uh, I was in law enforcement. I like police officers. And he said, he said, well, he said, now listen, he said, I came home from work one day and I told my family, gather around. He said, Rob, the drugs in Florida, they're bad. He said, it's all over the place. He said, so I looked at my family and I said, "Um, I got an announcement to make. The police department offered an early buyout today and I took it. I'm done. We're moving. He said, we're not going to live here any longer. He, I got out the map. And so their eyes are, you know, real big. He said, so I got out the map. And I said, um, wherever my finger lands, that's where we're going. I closed my eyes and I did this. Boop. Red Bowling Springs, Tennessee. What are the odds? I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere. I said, Jonathan, Jonathan, we're in the middle of nowhere out here. I said, what are you going to do in Red Bowling Springs, Tennessee? Well, thought about starting a fencing company. Very successful company today. This incredible guy. And I, 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 we're visiting a little bit. And, I, and he said, now, Rob, we were religious. I said, good. I love religious people. This is good. He said, Rob, we went to community church. All right. And he said, now, Rob, he said, very charismatic speaker. He said, man, people loved him. And we were growing by the dozens every Sunday. The build, it, was, it was an exciting performance. I mean, you know, we were just coming in there. And, and uh, one day we got to the church and the preacher, he was gone. I said, where did he go? No one knows. I said, well, that's not good. And uh, he said, he said, now, Rob, we kept coming back. Crowds kept dissipating, less and less people. And one Sunday we showed up and there was a sign outside the church that said, church closed. I said, oh, wow. He said, you're not going anywhere, are you? I said, uh, not that I know of. And, uh, and, and he said, well, I want you to know this. My son was saved at that church. He just went down the front and he just said, I praise Jesus. And he just took him into his heart to be his personal savior. And he said, oh, Rob, it was an exciting church. He said, I thought you should know that. I said, well, I'm glad you shared it with me. Um, would it be okay if we looked at John 8, 32? I have one mission. All I want to do is get in the word of God. None of this is going to help. I want in the Bible. And he said, he said sure. Got into John 8 and 32. Jonathan, Jesus said... You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jonathan, Jesus said the blank will make you free. I'm just getting ready for the answer. They always get it right. He said, how do you know it's Jesus? Oh, boy, this is going to be a long one. Um, Jonathan, let's go back up to verse 31. It says, Jesus said, ah, I got it. I got it. He said, okay. He He said, oh, by the way, I'm a very skeptical person. You'll have to prove everything you tell me. He said, I don't trust people. 
I said, Jonathan, I said, that's a great quality because we're talking about your soul and you ought to make me prove it to you. I said, and everything I tell you will come right out of the Bible. It's called back to the Bible for a reason. And so we started. The longer the study went, the more comfortable he got. He, he said, it's all in the Bible. I said, that's exactly, it's all in the Bible. And when we finished the study, uh, Jonathan says, you know what, Robin, we, Stephanie and I, we've been going to church all of our lives. No one's ever done a Bible study with us. I didn't know the difference between the Old and New Testament. No one ever explained that to us before. I said, Jonathan, I said, well, I said, you know, would you like to do another study? Maybe about the church? He said, sure. So we made an appointment, came back the next week. So we opened it up. And uh, again, very revealing. They didn't know it. They, they didn't know about elders and deacons. They didn't know about the singularity of the church. They didn't know about the Lord's Supper, giving and, and uh, singing and, and uh, the name of the churches in the Bible. They didn't know any of that stuff. Then we got to book three. They're lost. They don't know it. It's amazing what happens in a Bible study when people begin to realize their spiritual condition. I don't know why it is, but ladies, you normally, you normally get it before the men do. Stephanie's eyes start to tear up. She looks at me and she said, Rob, she says, there's a problem. I said, what's wrong, Stephanie? She said, Jonathan and I have never been baptized. I said, I think I know how we can fix that. And we took him right over to the building. We baptized him. That's not why I'm telling you this story. This is why. Because as he's drying out, uh, drying off from the baptism, Jonathan steps down. And we're in the kind of the, the aisle here. I said, Jonathan, I said, uh, your, your son, Johnny, 15 years old. I said, we got to do a, I, I'm never, I, I want another one. I said, we got to do a Bible study with Johnny. I said, he doesn't know. He, he doesn't, he said, he said, I don't want you studying with my son. He did it to me the second time. Caught me off guard. I said, I don't understand. John, he said, Rob, you got any of those booklets, that red, green, and blue booklet anywhere? You got any of those booklets? I said, back to the Bible? Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, they're on our evangelism table back there. He said, can I get three sets of them? Because we're going to study with our son. Brethren, I've got a question for everyone here tonight. If brand new Christians know enough to teach someone the gospel of Christ, then why aren't we doing it? We have members of the church that have been sitting in our pews for 10, 20, and 30 years, and they don't think they know enough to teach someone the gospel. And I've got brand new Christians ready to go. Brethren, it's no excuse. You can do a Bible study. If they can do it, you can do it. Let me tell you a little bit more about this young man. And um, so uh, we're doing this meeting, and Tom Holland's our speaker, Mike. And um, Tom, Brother, Brother Holland and I are just, we're kind of, we're visiting. We're in the church. And, um, and Brother Holland says, Rob, he says, uh, I've seen more baptisms this week and I have all year. He says, I haven't seen a meeting like this. I, I can't tell you. It goes back to the 70s. He said, he said well, what's going on here is incredible. And I said, Brother Holland, it just so happened a lot of our Bible studies came to fruition this week. We had 11 right there that week. People were coming forward. It was a great meeting. And um, he actually helped me with one couple. He, I asked him to come in my office. It was a, they had an issue I'd never dealt with before. It was just a great, my phone rang. It was Jonathan Royal. And I said, Brother Holland, uh, hang on, hello? Hey, hey, Rob, yes, I need to talk to you right now. I said, what's going on? He said, well, I just need, can you meet me over at the, the conference room? I said, yeah. So I, Brother, Brother Holland, excuse me. So I walked over to the conference room, walked inside. It was Jonathan and Stephanie, Mama, and Johnny. His head was in the, on the table. And I said, Johnny, you okay? And he looked up and it was, his face was red. And tears were coming out of his eyes. I said, son, I said, what's wrong? Mr. Rob, I thought I was saved, Mr. Rob. 
I'm lost. Mr. Rob, I'm lost. I said, son, not for long. We baptized him. I still not why I'm telling you the story. You see, just, just a couple years later, I said, Johnny, I said, I, would you do the youth Devo for us tonight? He said, I don't know that. I, I said, I think you can do it. So we got down over to the fellowship. Paul, he did his first, first youth devotional. It said chills up and down my spine. Mikey had it. Some people just, I don't know what it is. But, man, he, he had it. I said, man, this, this young man, he's got something. And uh, I'm encouraging him. You know what that tag right there says? Memphis School of Preaching. Do you know where he's at today? Franklin, Texas, preaching the gospel of Christ. Brethren, what I need the church of Christ to understand is that if we can just do one Bible study, every family just does one, do you know what could happen in the church of Christ in this country today? Here's three things you can write down in your book. Here it is. Number one, back to the Bible, is simple. It's simple because new converts are doing it. Brethren, if new converts can do it, anybody can do it. And so it's just three booklets, three studies, 90 minutes apiece, 60 to 90. And so no discussion questions. Just fill in the blank. Yes, no. You can't mess it up. I mean, it's almost impossible to mess up back to the Bible. It is put together brilliantly. Now, let's go to the second point. These are real quick. Number two, it's scriptural. Any Bible study that's not based on the Bible, run. If a Bible study does not require you to use the Bible, run. You have to have a Bible to use back to the Bible. It's impossible to do it without it. And so when you open your Bible, you're going to, you're going to be forced to bring the answer out of the text. Now, it's based on the King James Version of the Bible. But you can use any version of the Bible. In fact, I had someone walk into our house. Her name was Brittany Langford, uh, Brittany Massey at the time. And um, Brittany sat down and I noticed she had a Bible. And uh, so we have a gift and award Bibles. I always give them out because I, I'm hoping they'll use that gift and award Bible. And I said, Brittany, we got a Bible. She said, no, I, I'm going to use this Bible. And I looked at it. New American Catholic Bible. I said, now what am I going to do? New American Catholic Bible. And I thought about it. I said, should I take my sword out right now? We're going to have a Bible study on Bible. Bar- no, that violates my principles. I'm not going to do it. We'll use the New American Catholic Bible. Do you know what I found out just another, just, just down the road? That New American Catholic Bible was given to her by her grandmother on her deathbed. So what would have happened if I would have insulted the New American Catholic Bible? The Bible study's over. And so, brethren, you can use any version of the Bible. I'm going to suggest, I'm not advocating for versions of the Bible that are not accurate. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying, pick your battle wisely. This is not a time to do a Bible study on Bible versions. No, I, I, don't, I, I don't want the, the, the extra books in the, in the middle. But you can use just about any version of the Bible with back to the Bible, and you're going to find success. Don't fight the wrong battles, because you'll lose I want to get him to the cross, and that's a distraction. It's a, it's, it's a diversion. And I used to fall for things like that. I'm not doing that anymore. I'll teach him about Bible versions later. It requires Bible reading. you got to read the Bible. Um, Jesus said, what is written in the law and how readest thou? All answers from the text, brethren, and it's scriptural. Now, I didn't know this. I learned this just a few years ago. I'm in the house of Sister Wilma. We'll be in her house Thursday, by the way. Well, we love Sister Wilma. I'm in her house. She says, Rob. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, have I ever told you uh, why Bobby wrote back to the Bible in three booklets? I said, no. Have I ever told you how, why he organized it like he did? I said, no. She said, I'll tell you, Rob, it's scriptural. I said, scriptural? 
And she said, now, Rob, take your Bible to Acts 8. So I said, man, I can't wait to see. Do this with me. Take your Bible to Acts 8. I didn't know this. I'd never seen this before. He said, now, she said, now, Rob, Acts 8, and uh, we're going to look at the inspired evangelist Philip. That right there ought to tell you something. I'm not an inspired evangelist. So whatever Philip does is going to be better than what I do. Because Philip is perfect in his teaching. I'm not. And so Acts 8, 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad whenever we're preaching the word. Now, the Bible says, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ. When you preach Christ, you preach the word. When you preach the word, you preach Christ. You can't, you can't separate them. Now, I want to know specifically, what did the inspired evangelist do to convert people? It's in verse 12. But the Bible says, but when they believed Philip's teaching... The things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, he baptized them. Watch this. Back to the Bible, book one, the name of Jesus Christ. Back to the Bible, book two, the kingdom of God. Back to the Bible, book three, baptism. Brethren, when Bobby put this together, he took what Philip did and he duplicated it. He said, if it was good enough for Philip, it's good enough for us. We're going to teach people about the name of Jesus Christ. That's his authority in book one. We're going to teach them about the kingdom of God, which is the church of Christ, book number two. Brethren, you can't save people without the church of Christ. We've got to, we should not run from the church of Christ. We need to teach them about the church of Christ. Any Bible study that doesn't want to talk about the church of Christ, throw it away. I don't know what it is today about some brethren who don't think we need to know about the church to be saved. The church is the body of Christ. You, brethren, he died for the church. The church is a, is a, is a sanctified, special body. And, and, and to, to, to advocate that you don't need to know about the church of Christ is to say, Jesus, when he went to the cross and died for the church, think about it. So I said, uh, I said this is brilliant, Wilma. I, I didn't know this. And... Um, I think you'll find that uh, back to the Bible is scriptural because it follows what Philip did. And so let's go to the last point. It's successful. And if I, if I, could, get, uh, if I could get everybody to pay attention for just five minutes tonight, it would be right here. Uh, brethren, if you're like me, you don't want to waste time. You don't have a lot of time to waste. And um, if we were putting together an evangelism uh, strategy that was unsuccessful, then uh, I wouldn't want you to come. And I know there's some of you right now saying, oh, Rob, you know, of course it was successful for Wilma and Bobby. That's because they, they, they wrote it. Well, my wife and I have, have, have uh, recorded about a 9 out of 10 success rate since we started. So what I did when I started using Back to the Bible is I kept a notebook of every person we've studied with. And I went back and I counted. How many people did we study with? How many people? Brethren, if we have a tool, if we have a Bible study method and 9 out of 10 people who finished book 3 are obeying the gospel, why are we not using it? Why aren't we not training everybody how to do this? Friends, back to the Bible, is successful. It's something that you can do. Now, some of you are saying tonight, now listen, it's successful for you, Rob, not for me. So I'm going to have to work on you for about five minutes. His name is Shane Smith. Shane Smith is in Bridgeport, Alabama, sitting in the pew. We got to know Shane. Let me tell you about Shane Smith. He is a world-renowned taxidermist. Um, he, um, he has people to take him hunting. And, um, and one day he said, Jared and Rob, would you like to learn how to hunt? And I thought I knew how to hunt. I didn't know a thing about hunting. So he takes me out to the field. Brother, he can call animals just with his... It's incredible what this guy can do. And, um, and so people send him his, their fowl from foreign countries. He has some trade secrets. You would never know it. His overalls on. He just 
you never know it. Shane Smith, right? So he comes up to me. He says, Rob, I have failed in my life. Shane, you're in the hunting magazines. Shane, Shane, you get paid how much to stuff a bird? I said, Shane, you have not failed. Rob, I've never led one person to Christ, not one. You'll be hearing from me, Rob. Three weeks later, he said, I took that back to the Bible, Rob, and I decided to try it on a, uh, a young lady by the name of Haley Cooper, a friend of my wife and I. Rob, I just baptized her. Never done that before. Now stay with me. This right here, this next one right here is uh, Cindy Rowland. This is Jonathan Rowland's mother-in-law. Jonathan said, Rob, I'm going to take those books and convert my mother-in-law. He calls me uh, one night about nine o'clock. Rob, I just finished back to the Bible and calls me the next. Rob, I just finished book two. Calls me the next night or the next week, 10 o'clock and says, Rob, I don't know how to baptize anybody. I said, I'll be right there. This is uh, John Howard. This is Brian Howard. He worked at World Video Bible School. Now does Soaring for Souls. This is his dad. I did this seminar down at Valdosta, Georgia, and, and, uh, and uh, Wes Hazel preaches there. And Wes said, Rob, if I can get four churches to dismiss their services on Sunday, would you come and train all four of us at one time? I said, sure. And on the Lord's table that morning was a different elder from every church. It was really incredible. And um, so Brian's in the, in the auditorium. Rudy Kane had flown Brian over to Georgia just to kind of be a part of it and pass out literature for World Video Bible School. So Brian's listening. He comes up after the seminar and he said, hey, Rob. And he's teary-eyed. I said, what's wrong? He says, you know, I've never done a Bible study with my dad. My dad's lost. We argue is what we do. He said, when I get home, I'm going to do a Bible study. He sent me that picture after he got home. Just took him a couple weeks. He said, Rob, I just baptized my dad. This is the Morganton Church of Christ, and uh, they baptized 22 in just over a year. This is the Fayetteville Church of Christ. They baptized eight in six months. This is the Elizabethan Church of Christ. This is John McGiffin. John McGiffin, uh, you don't know John McGiffin. And, uh, and uh, he, uh, during COVID, uh, they couldn't find a church to worship with, so they decided they're going to start a new congregation in Ohio. And they had like six or seven Christians. He called me and says, Rob, we got to evangelize. I said, I agree. He said, can you send us some help? So we gave him our, 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 our videos, our materials. We just shipped it all to him. I said, John, here's what I do. Well, he did it. Brethren, they have baptized. They're over 50 now. It's incredible what they've done. This is Eric Sykes, Suitland Road, Baltimore, Maryland. Eric calls me and says, Rob, we need to evangelize. I said, well, I can get there in 2022. I can't wait to 2022, Rob. I said, I'll send you the materials. We send it. We give him the strategy. Brother, this man baptizes four or five people a month. It's amazing what's going on there. I love Eric Sykes. I was supposed to be there in April. I don't know what I'm going to teach him. I thought I might just sit in the pew and teach me. And he's just using back to the Bible. Here it is, North Jefferson. This, now let's talk about Texas. This is North Jefferson Church of Christ. Chris Groda. I go over to Mount Pleasant earlier this year. I think I'm in March or April. And uh, Chris says, man, Rob, we are just, we're dying over here. There's no conversions. He said, Rob, we have got, I said, Chris, I said, let's just put our heart and soul into this. I said, don't worry about the past. Let's put our heart and soul into this. He said, all right. So, I mean, those elders were on fire. Chris, he's got another, they they were just so, you could just see it when we left. They baptized 17 people since March. They have four Bible studies going on right now. It wouldn't shock me tonight if I get a buzz in my phone. They can't stop. This is the Jacksonville Church of Christ because I'm pretty miserable if I don't practice what I preach. 17 this year. It'll probably be 18 this week. We got one really close. I can't wait to get home. I've got another one really close. 
What I'm trying to suggest to the churches tonight is, is that this works. This is worth your time. Brethren, if you'll, if you'll dive into this, if you'll, if, you'll, if you'll learn how to do a Bible study, it works. There is nothing that works better than sitting down and doing a Bible study with the sinner. This is the Oak Hill Church of Christ. This, is, this just happened. This is July. And we did something we'd never done before. Austin Fowler, director of Latin American Missions, he calls me and said, Hey, Rob. For two years, we've had all of our mission work canceled. You know about Latin American missions, my great mission. I mean, they're sending, what, 1,000 kids a year down to Central America. He said, Rob, we've got to do some campaigns. He said, I thought we could combine Latin American missions with, with um, the house-to-house, heart-to-heart school of evangelism. And Rob, what if we uh, provided the manpower and you provided the training? And he said, let's do a campaign in America. You know, I've always wanted to do that, Mike. I, I, I take people down to Jamaica every year, 50, 60 people. We baptize people. It's fun. We do Bibles. I've always thought, I could, if we could just duplicate that in this country. So we really thought outside the box. We did some things that were, were very different than what we normally do in a, in a campaign. We have baptized nine people. And the Bible studies are still going. And so tonight in America, can you be successful In evangelism, the answer is yes. It is Satan. It is the great deceiver, the serpent, the father of all lies. Who says, oh, you can't do it in America. Brethren, don't listen to him. This nation can be saved if we teach him the gospel of Christ. I need a volunteer tonight. Um, I need help because we're going to do a Bible study together. And um, let's see if I can find something. Mike. Would you help me tonight, Mike? Wonderful. Mike, would you sit on the front pew right here? And you're going to need your Bible, the Evangelism Simplified Guidebook, and back to the Bible. And I'm going to, we're going to baptize Mike. Isn't it? It's going to be exciting. And um, so we're going to have a Bible study with Mike. And I, I didn't tell Mike. I on purpose. I never, tell, I never tell the preacher I'm going to do it. It's because I want it to be a complete surprise. And I, what we're going to do is demonstrate how a Bible study is, uh, is uh, conducted. And um, I'm going to talk about uh, some, uh, some uh, details. Now, I've noticed in a lot of evangelistic efforts that uh, the details really determine success. You can't, you can't pass by the details. So, so I'm going to give you some details tonight that are important. And one of those details involves the Evangelism Simplified Guidebook on page 111. So open up the book, 111. Now, on page 111, we have some questions that are listed. And these are important questions and, and questions I always ask. And, um, and uh, this is the most awkward part of the entire study. So what I want to do is to, um, to shed some light on how to get this to be unawkward. How to get this to be uh, conversational. So if Mike and I have become dear friends and Mike and I have been eating together and we've been maybe going shooting together and doing some things, you know, that guys do. And um, Mike has even visited at church and he's said, man, I, I like your church. right? Mike, do you know anything about the Church of Christ? Not a lot. All right. I said, Mike, I tell you, I, I got these little booklets right here. And so we, we go through that. And I said, Mike, now I need some help. And um, I'm going to tell you a story. And, and maybe, um, maybe this will illustrate um, what we want to do. Mike, let's just suppose that, that I lived in, I don't know, um, I lived in uh, um, Atlanta, Georgia. And I called you. And I said, uh, uh, Mike, um, I'm over here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I want to come visit you, friend. And maybe spend a week with you. Could you give me directions to Midland, Texas from Atlanta, Georgia? Could you help me? Would you help me? Sure. I know he would. Let's just, suppose, let's just suppose I was living in New York City. 
And I was over here and I said, Mike, I'm living in New York City. I'm thinking about taking my family over here to Midland and moving on in, you know. And could you get me from New York City to Midland, Texas? You know what this man would say? Now, Rob, you can't get here from New York. Stay right there. No, he'd say, you come on in, Mike, Rob. You. And now here's the question, Mike. No one has gotten this wrong in 25 years. All right. Mike, would you give me the same directions from New York City as from Atlanta, Georgia? Why? Two different places. It's not hard. I'm coming from, you know, you cannot give somebody directions if you don't know where they're coming from. And you don't give people the same directions. Now, I I use that story in a lot of my studies. You know why? Because it's simple. And I'm a simple person. And everybody relates to that. Mike understands. Now, he doesn't know why I told him the story. but He's going to find out. Hey, Mike, I need to know where we're located. Now, Mike... We both believe in God, I believe. Is that right? We, you know, I believe, okay, I thought you didn't. Mike, um, you believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we both believe in that. I think we've talked about that a little bit. Now, if he doesn't believe in that, and knowing Mike, he's going to throw me a curveball here in just a minute. He's going to keep me on my toes. I may not start with back to the Bible. If he says, you know, Rob, I don't know if I believe in God. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get out and believe the Bible. See, believe the Bible is designed for people who do not know who God is. They don't know Christ. So, so I've got another lure in my tackle box. Brethren, you better have more than one lure. All right? Now, but Mike and I have been talking. And we're, we're, uh, we're, uh, we're I was pretty sure about that. Hey, Mike, um, you believe Jesus died for your sins and rose again on the third day. We believe that, don't we? Mike, you believe in the Bible? And, uh, I, I do too. I want to believe too. And uh, hey, Mike, do, do you believe God will do everything he has said in the scripture? He'll, he's a man of his word. Do you believe that? Me too. Uh, now, Mike, I know this answer, but I need to ask it. Um, I'm saved. Are you saved? Oh, yes, yes. And, and Mike, I want you to think back to a time when you were saved. Mike, what did you do to become saved? Think about it. What did you do? I believed. Okay, you believed? Turn for my sins, all right. You confess Jesus. It's hard for preachers to answer this. Go ahead, keep going, Mike. I was baptized. You were not baptized. No, no, he was not baptized. Okay. I was not baptized. All right. Okay. No, he... uh, Let's just say he said this. He said, I just prayed Jesus into my heart. It was a revival. I went down, you know, testified about the, you know. About, so, so he's going to give you some answer like that nine out of ten times. And I'm going to say, Mike, now, have you, now, now you can say I've been baptized. Have you ever been baptized? Yes. yes. Okay. Were you saved before the baptism or after the baptism? Of course, of course, that we all were. And so, so we're going to get all those answers down. Now, I'm going to be very conversational with him. I'm, going to, I'm not going to give him the questions. And one of the mistakes that sometimes is made is that, would you fill this out? They don't want to fill it out. You know why? Because you have now put yourself in a position of, I'm going to teach you something. You know, we don't want to change the relationship. This is a very one-on-one, you know, conversational setting. So I'm not going to give him a test question. I'm just going to try to get some answers from him. I want to kind of figure out where he's at. And so here's what I've learned. I've learned that Mike thinks he was saved before he was baptized. And he called Jesus into his heart. I've got all the information I need. He believes in God, believes in the Bible. Perfect for back to the Bible. And you know what? You guys are living in good old state of Texas. You know what that means? About eight out of ten of the people you meet here in Midland are ready for back to the Bible. Now, if you were living up in New Hampshire, it's not the case. It's just not. You live in even in Colorado, maybe not be the case. It depends where you live. No, but, but let's, just, let's just look at the United States as a whole. Most people still are ready for back to the Bible. That number's changing. Let's say Mike is ready. All right, so you're talking about a religious person, 
but they're religiously lost. Now, what are we going to do? I said, Mike, I got this little uh, uh, booklet here, and, and uh, let's, let's open our Bibles to John 8, 32. So we're going to open our Bibles to John 8, 32. We've run through the questions. I, I got what I was looking for. And so we're going to, Nicole be my silent partner. Maybe, um, it's my, maybe his wife, too. We're just kind of sitting around the table. And Mike, would you read me John 8, 32? And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All right. Mike, uh, uh, what sets you free? The truth. And he's going to write it in the blank. It's real simple, right? It's hard to miss it. And so he's going to write the word truth. Let's go to John 4, 24. Mike, we're going to open our Bibles, John 4. I've noticed that Micah knows his books of the Bible. Now, if Mike doesn't know his books of the Bible, do you know what I'm going to do? Now, Mike, on page 326, no. Brethren, if they don't know the books of the Bible, let them learn them. There is nothing more rewarding to a person than when they learn the Bible. So I might say, Mike, turn to your left a little bit, turn to your right. And you know, about halfway through the booklet, he's going to be able to find the book of John on his own. And he's going to lead that study and say, man, I can find the books of the Bible. I can do this. So, so try not to help him. Try, try to say as little as possible. And so some, I say, go to the left a little bit. You, you got it. And, uh, and here's, another, here's another tip. Do you know I never find the Bible book before you do? So Mike is, I, I, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm wa- watching him. When he, oh, okay, now I, I won't pressure him. I'm not waiting for him. So remember, my job is to make him feel comfortable. Hey, Mike, um, let's go ahead and read John 4, 24. What's that say? John 4, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit. Uh, Mike, Jesus tells us we must worship God in spirit and in truth. truth. Now, there's something I want to share with you. On page 66 of your Evangelism Simplified Guidebook, there's a chart. And what I did is I, I, I created a chart that would visually illustrate book one. And in fact, when Wilma saw this about a year ago, she, uh, I, I, well, it's been several years. And she said, Rob, where'd you get that chart from? I said, well, I imagined in my mind what book one would look like. That's Bobby's chart. <laughs> you know, you know I, I just took book one and I visualized it. And uh, she said, Bobby would always do that. He'd write this down. Some people learn by visual. So I'm going to put this on the table. I said, Mike, you know. All the truth starts with God. It all starts with God. And as we move through the study, I'm going to point out some things. And then, but the Father gave all the truth to the Son. And Mike, the Son gave all the truth to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave all the truth to the, uh, to the uh, apostles. The apostles took all that truth, wrote, wrote it down in the Bible. Do you know we're under the New Testament and not the Old Testament? And, and that's, that's it. That's, that's book one. Most people don't know any. They don't know that. They don't know they're not under the old. Now, that's important to establish. And sometimes at the end of the study, I'll do this. And you might want to write this down. This is the last thing I say at the end of book one. Hey, Mike, are we still under the Ten Commandments? Say yes. Yes. Yes, of course. You know why? Now, Rob, you just finished book one. And he just said, we're still under the Ten Commandments. What's wrong? Brethren, it took God three days to get... um, Israel out of Egypt. It took God 40 years to get uh, uh, Egypt out of Israel. You're not going to reverse a lifetime of religious uh, thinking in one Bible study. It's not going to happen. I ask that question to see where they're at. Most of the time they miss it. And I was in a study about a couple years ago. Her name's Kim. And I said, Miss Kim, I said, are we still under the Old Testament? She says, well, well, Rob, I want to be. But I don't think I am. She was starting to get it, you know. And uh, I said, Miss Kim, I said, Mike, uh, did you know nine of the Ten Commandments are restated in the New Testament? No, I didn't know that. And uh, Mike, do you, 
which one do you think is not restated? Do you have any idea what it might be? Um, Something about remember the Sabbath. Do you know why God didn't repeat the Sabbath in the New Testament? Because we're under the first day of the week. That's actually the day Christ rose from the dead. That's the Lord's day. I didn't know that. Why didn't anybody teach me this? I don't know. Let's, let's go to book number two. Let's, let's do another study. So, so that's kind of book one in a nutshell. It's real simple. And you keep it simple. Don't complicate it. And so you're kind of helping a person understand. They can know the Bible. They understand they're under the New Testament. Now we go to the church. This is a simple, simple study. We're going to look at it from a very broad perspective and narrow it down to three parts. We're going to look at worship. We're going to look at organization and name. All right. So in, in book number two, Mike, would you, read, uh, would you read Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18 for me? Matthew 16. In verse number 18. So we're going to turn our Bibles and, and I, I, like, I like to let the... Now every now and then I'll read, but most of the time the prospect reads. So Mike, go ahead and read that for me. I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail again. All right, uh, Mike, who built the church? Jesus did. J- Jesus did, that's right. And, and Mike, to whom does the church belong? If belongs. That's right. And, and Mike, did Jesus build churches in the plural or church in the singular? This, this verse says singular. Yeah, it's singular. He just built the church. So it's real simple again. All the answers come right from the text. I've been doing this study for 24, 5 years. And never, I haven't had anybody get this wrong. And so it just comes right. Every now and then they said, well, what do you mean? Now, who's speaking? You might have to go up to the next you know, previous verse and show them that Jesus is saying this. But it's just not hard. Now, I obviously can't go through this whole study with you tonight. But I want to point something out. Let's go, Mike, let's go ahead and advance in book number uh, uh, two to page five. I want, to, I want to show you something. Now, Mike, we're going to look at Acts 27. And I believe this is a light bulb moment in the study. This is a key pivotal moment in the study. And that's why I want to cover it. And um, Mike, um, I'm going to go ahead and read it. And I have a problem with this verse. The problem is I, I don't seem to ever be able to say it right. What I need you to do tonight is look at it carefully, and if I don't say it right, stop me. Don't let me say it wrong. Are right, everybody with me? I always do this. Uh, Mike, watch out here. Mike, upon the, the first Sunday of the month... The whoa, deci- whoa, 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 wait, whoa, whoa. Okay, all right, I get confused. Um, Mike, uh, um, on the first and third Sunday of the month... Uh, the deci- uh, no, okay. Um, uh, every quarter, Mike, the disciples can't... No. Mike, on Easter, the disciples... No, okay. Um, on Christmas, the disciples came together... Okay, let's, I'm having a problem, aren't I? And, and they always laugh. And I'm making a point, aren't I? A point that's undeniable. Brethren, of all the religions out there, I know of almost nobody that gets this right. So this is what we call a point of distinction. And by the way, if you can't get the Lord's Supper right, I wonder what else you can't get right. Have you ever thought about that? Because they will. This right here, this right here is where you put your sword right out here and you want him to see this. you got to stand your ground right here. Mike, upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continue his speech until midnight. Now, now let's, let's use an illustration, Mike. In the Old Testament, when God told the Israelites to remember the Sabbath, did he, did he want them to re- remember every Sabbath? I think so. Yeah, I do too. I do and, and let's, just, let's, 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 let's just, just tell, I love illustrations. So use this illustration. 
Mike, let's just suppose a man got up one Saturday. And he said, you know what? There was a bad storm last night. and There were sticks all over my yard. And, um, and I, you know, one Sabbath is just as good as another. And I normally keep all these Sabbaths. And it doesn't say every Sabbath. It doesn't say every Sabbath. And I've already kept some Sabbath. And, and I'm very sincere. And I, my yard looks terrible. And I won't have time during the week. So I'm going to go out there on the Sabbath and pick up some sticks. I wonder what would happen to that man. I don't know, Rob. I do. Because we both know about him, don't we? He's in the book of Numbers. And it didn't work very well. And so you can use examples. And, and there's nothing wrong in a study with using examples and helping people see things. So let's just keep going. When those Christians met upon the first day of the week to eat the Lord's Supper, did they do it on the first day of each week? It seems that that's what they did. It, it looks like what that's what seems what it says there in the text. Hey, Mike, should Christians today eat the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week? Should that should we be doing that too? That makes sense. Makes sense. Now, I'm not going to drive a peg down right there. I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold back just a little bit. And so we're going to keep going. And Mike, we're going to go up here and, and take your booklet. And I want you to go to page six. On page six, we're going to get to First Corinthians sixteen, and, and this is where we're going to drive it home. And uh, Hey, Mike, in the church you go to, and you told me you went to a, um, Calvary Church on the Hill. Um, do you guys, when y'all meet on Sundays, do you guys ever give money? Sure we do. And um, how often do you give money, Mike? Every week. I bet you do. And um, Mike, um, um, let's just notice what the Bible says. Uh, now concerning the collection of the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, notice what it says. Um, I want everybody to lay by in stores. God has prospered that there be no gatherings when I come. Mike, um, is it God's will that we give as we have been prospered? Is that what God wants? Yes. Okay, now, um, Mike, are we, are we to make the contribution on the same day we're to take of the Lord's Supper? I would think so. It, says, it says the same thing. All, all right, Mike, Mike um, I got a question for you. Mike. Have you ever been to a church? And when you showed up, the, 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 the pastor said, you know what, we're just at this church, we're just going to give, I don't know, quarterly. Ever been to a church like that? Not one time. Okay, me neither. And, and Mike, have you ever been to a church that said, you know, here, everybody put your money away. We don't want, get your $100 bills back in your pocket. We're just going to give here on Christmas. No need to give on any other. Have you ever been to one of those churches before? And, and Mike, if I went up to that reverend and I said, sir, why is it that we're given every Sunday? Why is it every Sunday you want, you want my money? Why, why? Do you think the reverend might say, well, you know, in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, it says upon the first day of the week. And he's exactly right. Have you ever wondered, Mike, why when it comes to your money, they always get it right? When it comes to the Lord's Supper, we don't seem to be able to understand it. When it comes to taking your money, they're always going to get it right. We'll take that money every Sunday. But when it comes to the memorial of the body of Christ, I don't think we understand it. Hard to miss that, isn't it? In fact, Bobby makes it very clear if you just go to the next question. But let's go ahead and go to book three. We're going to go to book three. We've got about ten more minutes, and we'll be done tonight. Um, let's go ahead and advance it. Um, I want you to go ahead and go to book page nine, page number nine. We're in book three. And uh, you see how simple back to the Bible is and how it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's going to really challenge the, the student. And it, it, it's designed to make them reason. And you, you, can't, you cannot go through the study of back to the Bible without thinking. And so they're applying what they understand. They're re- now, when we get here, brethren, this is where we stand at the foot of the cross. 
And there is not a more beautiful passage in scripture about salvation and the cross than Romans 6, 3 through 5. Hey, Mike, on page 92 of your Evangelism Simplified Guidebook, and I, I'd normally have that copied, and you can copy those illustrations. I put it on the table, and, uh, I, and this is, uh, I, I'd have this laying out there. I said, Mike, um, do you know what we call that, the, the, the death of Christ and his burial and his resurrection? Do you know what that's called? Okay. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul identified that. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, and, uh, which has been preached to you, which you've also received, uh, unless you believe in vain. Uh, for I delivered unto you first of all that you've also received. Our Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, rose on the third day according to the scripture. It's called the death, burial, and resurrection. You know what it's called? The gospel. It's the heart and soul of who we are. But this, you can't get this. This is this is the centerpiece of Christianity, and so and so, Mike. That that is an illustration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Here's what I want to do. I want to look at how we obey the gospel, and we're going to do that by reading Romans six three through five. So everybody, get your pen out, and uh, I do. This is what I do in Bible study. So I have a pen. I have their pen ready. I said, now I'm going to we're going to make some notes. We're in Romans 6, 3 through 5, and here it goes. Watch this, verse 3, know ye not that so many of us as have been baptized into, take your pen and circle the word into. I want you to circle it. Into is a transitionary word. It takes it from the outside and it puts you on the inside. Now notice this, Jesus Christ, we're baptized into, that's the second time. Friends, when the Bible says into, it is positioning you. I have, um, I have something I want everybody to think about tonight. There is nobody that's sitting in the pew tonight that did not come into the building, not one. In fact, I want to challenge your reasoning abilities. Is it possible for anybody to be in the building who did not come into the building? Is it possible? Several months ago, sitting in the pew was an engineer, and he raised his hand. He said, preacher, it's possible if the building was built around you. There's always one. There is always one. I said, yes, if the building was built around. All right. So you got to come in too. All right. So we got the two times now. Watch this. Verse number three. We're baptized into his death. Everybody got their pen ready? You need to do this. I promise you want to do this. Put a number one right by the word death. Just write the word, the number one. Just write it right there. Now watch this. Verse number four. Therefore, we are buried. Put a number two right by the word buried. You can't miss it. Now look at verse number four. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into. That's the third time he has told us that whatever we're talking about here moves you from the outside to the inside. It's a transition. You're going through a transition. No, notice this. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into his death that like as Christ was raised. Put a number three right by the word raised. Put a number three right by the word raised. From the dead by the glory of the Father, even so ye should walk in newness of life. So look at verse 5. For if you've been planted together in the likeness of his death, you've got to go through something like the death of Christ. So shall you also be in the likeness of his resurrection. You don't have to literally be crucified. You don't have to be literally rise from the dead. But brethren, you've got to go through the likeness of it. You know what that is? Mike, let's, uh, let's talk, you and me, just for a minute. I want to use an illustration. Um, Mike, let's suppose at your house you have bought a dog and, and uh, you, you've always wanted a dog and I assume you're the dog type. And uh, so you bought this dog and, and you're going to name it. And you named it uh, Poopsie. So Mike has got a Poopsie. And Mike's got this little Poopsie and it's running around the house with all of its energy. And, uh, and uh, Poopsie's got a problem. 
poopsie doodles on the carpet. And Mike doesn't like it. And he, and he, and he keeps saying, I, I don't like the dog poop doodling on the carpet. And, and the dog continues to doodle. And, and, and Mike is trying to train the dog not to be a doodling dog. Go outside if you're going to doodle, not on the carpet. And Mike is patient. Mike has been working with this dog. It has gone to obedience school. And uh, he has done everything he can to get the dog not to doodle on the carpet. And the dog's not getting it. Mike gets up one Sunday. He looks at you and he says, honey, he said, if this dog doodles on this carpet this morning when we're at worship service and I get home, that's it. So y'all go to worship service, go through everything. You get home, Mike opens the door and there's a little poopsie with his tail going like this. The dog has doodled again. Mike says, that's it. No more doodling dog. He grabs the dog by the carpet. He grabs a shovel and he runs outside, ties the dog to the tree, and he begins to dig. Mike digs and he digs and he digs. And then he takes the poopsie. The neighbors are coming out. What in the world is this man doing? He's lost his mind. And, and, and they're looking. Oh, what is he doing? He takes the poopsie, puts the poopsie in the hole, covers the dirt up. No more poopsie. What do you think the neighbors are going to do to Mike? Anybody? They're going to call the police. There's a madman who's just buried a living dog. They're going to put him in jail. Do you know there's not one person who doesn't understand that? Except in religion. Because in religion, do you know what we, we find that the religious world teaches? We bury, we bury living things in religion. That's right. We're gonna, you're going to come on down front and we're just going to praise Jesus and you're going to be born again and you're going to be alive in Jesus Christ. And about a month later, we're going to bury the baby. Only in religion do we let people get away with that nonsense. Friends, the scriptural order of salvation is that we take the dead man, we take the sinner, we take the person who has no life in him, and we take that lifeless person who needs the blood of Jesus Christ, and we bury them. You only bury those things that are dead, not living. Mike would have shot poopsie. Okay. Uh, I knew it was coming. All right. <laughs> Brethren, if, that, if, if you can't get that, you say, Rob, I don't know if I can do what you just did. That's all right. But you can do this. Watch this. Mike, does the Bible describe the one baptism as a burial in water? Sure does. Mike, where do we get the benefits of the death of Jesus? What? That's right. You've got to be baptized into his death. It's hard, hard to miss it. Hey, Mike, if you are baptized the way the Bible says, could you be wrong? No, I wouldn't think so. He doesn't realize what he just did. But you need to know. Brethren, he's in a corner, and the only way out is through Christ. I've let you out on instrumental music. You said you weren't sure you understood that. That's all right. You don't have to understand that completely. You're not, that's, that's all right. Mike says, I... I think I understand the Lord's Supper, but not 100%. That's okay, Mike. I let him out. I won't let you out now. Brethren, when you take a sinner to the foot of the cross, you will see Jesus. Tonight, there will be a decision. And what Mike did right now is Mike just committed himself to make a decision. He doesn't know that. See, if you are baptized the way the Bible says, could you be wrong? He said no. So you know what my job is now? To figure out if he has been. So let's go to the next question. If you are not baptized, Mike, the way the Bible says, could you be wrong? Well, yes. He could be wrong. So he's admitted it. He's admitted that his baptism may not be right. Now, we've got to find out if it is. So those two questions right there are very important. We said it two different ways. 
Now let's go to the next one. Mike, do you want to take a chance on missing heaven? I don't want to miss heaven. Me neither. Mike, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? I do believe that. I know you do. Hey, Mike, as we have seen Jesus commands repentance, are you willing to start making the changes in your life that Jesus commands and live for God? Yes. Of course he is. Hey, Mike, have you been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins? Yes. He's, they say yes almost every time. Now, preacher, wait a minute. Remember those questions? Preacher, he's not been baptized for the remission of his sins. I know that he doesn't. So I got to help him. I said, Mike, let, let's talk about that a little bit more. Mike, Mike um, if your preacher or whoever it was who baptized you um, had told you, Mike, now, um, if they taught you that your sins were removed before the baptism, Mike, you, you, when you said to Jesus, come into my heart, your sins were removed. If that's what they taught you, is it possible then to go get baptized if your sins were already removed before the baptism? Is it possible then to go get baptized to have your sins removed? Does that make any sense? I guess it does. All right, let, let's carry this to another level. So now he's thinking. And that's all, that's all I want him to do is think at this point. So let's go to another question. Mike, if you were taught that you're, you were saved before the baptism, and Mike, if you were taught you were saved before the baptism, could you have been baptized? No, don't answer just yet. To be saved. Mike, is it possible for someone to teach you the wrong thing and for you to obey the right thing? Now, Mike, Mike had anybody ever taught you about baptism being into the death of Christ and you're dead before baptism? Did anybody ever show you any of that? And, not like this. And Mike, is it, is, it possible, is it possible for someone to teach you the wrong thing? You could be taught error about baptism. And, and can you obey the truth if someone doesn't teach you the truth? Um, here's something I want you to write down, everyone. Write this down in your book. Um, you cannot be taught the wrong thing and obey the right thing. Obedience is not an accident. You cannot be accidentally baptized. Friends, when you're baptized, you've got to know what you're doing. And so here's the point. What I'm discovering is with Mike and I that Mike didn't know what he was doing. That Mike was baptized, but no one ever taught him. He didn't understand. He didn't realize he was lost. He didn't realize that baptism was for the remission of sins. And now he does. It's an eye-opening moment for people. It is an earth-shattering moment. Because what I just said makes perfect sense. You can't obey something you didn't know. And if you didn't know, you didn't know. But now you do know. Now, Mike, now that you know this, let's look at this verse. One more verse. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And Mike, if we really love Jesus, will we want to obey him? Yes. And Mike, um, do you love him? And Mike, do you want to obey him? And I know you do, Mike. And Mike, since Jesus wants you to be baptized now, and now that you understand the importance of being baptized right now, wouldn't it please Jesus for you to be baptized right now? Nine out of ten people we study with say yes. They get it. They understand. They didn't know. They understand, they realize, I, I, brethren, I, it doesn't matter what their religious background was. They understand, I was never taught this. I, I, no one ever sat down and explained this to me. And so it may be the case tonight, and you may say tonight, yes, I was baptized. Oh, preacher, I was baptized. But did you ever, did you know what you were doing? Brethren, if you didn't know what you were doing, may I submit to you tonight, you just got wet. 
The Bible says there's one baptism. The question is, did you receive the one baptism? Not have you gotten wet before. The question is, have you received the one baptism? Because, brethren, you cannot be baptized by the one baptism if you don't know what you're doing. And by one spirit, that's one proper teaching. Are you baptized? One baptism, you have to know what you're doing. And so, now Bobby Bates is going to lay this out if the person doesn't get it with most people get it over and over and over again in book three until you get it. And brethren, if you can't get it in book number three, we're going to take does it matter in the next study and we're going to do it again. This is an excellent close. By the way, if Mike does not obey the gospel, we're going to study again. We never stop studying. I never say, Mike, now this is the last study. You know when the last study is? When he's baptized. I never give up on people. And you should neither. Brethren, tonight I appreciate your presence. Uh, You've been a very kind audience. I'm I'm wanting to put some things in your toolbox tonight, your your tackle box. I I have a sneaky suspicion that most men at home have a tackle box somewhere. Mike, you you probably have a tackle box, and in that tackle box are different lures. I, I want you to put some lures in your tackle box. I want you to put some tools in your tool chest. Not everything takes a three six not everything takes a nine sixteenth wrench. Sometimes you need a half inch. So we're trying to equip you. We're trying to show you how to approach people. Back to the Bible covers most people you'll meet. Not everybody, but most people. And we're going to keep that training going tomorrow night. Thank you for being here. If you did not already sign Reaching the Loss, let me uh, explain what you're missing. On Wednesday morning of this week, if you sign this, you're going to get our evangelism tool of the week. It's already ready. I'm really excited about it. I love it. And I love to write these. And then you're going to get the reports of the churches. Uh, Brethren, you'll be overwhelmed with the baptisms that happened in the last seven days. Because I am. The preachers send them to me. I've gotten several today from preachers. Just got one from Daniel Steersman. He said, Rob, look what we just did at Warner Robbins. He said, Rob, I've never been more excited about evangelism. It is an exciting thing when a church gets it. And, um, And the best thing about that baptism is that Daniel didn't teach them. I can't speak for you, Mike, but I'll speak for me. When I was preaching at Willette, the, the baptisms that meant the most to me were the ones I didn't teach because that meant the members were getting it. And brethren, when we work together on the same team, Satan hasn't a prayer to stop you. That's what we got to do together. we got to work together. Thank you for being here tonight. If you've not signed it, please sign it on the, on the, the clipboard. Make sure we get your email because we're going to give you all that information. God bless you. We love you. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to be together tonight to study from thy word. Father, we're grateful for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Father, we know that here tonight that uh, we have, we've read thy word and we've seen the simplicity of it. Father, we pray that we could teach it to others. As we train the saints to teach the lost, we pray that thy son is glorified. And Father, that it's all of thee and we are but your earthen vessels. We're grateful, Father, for your love and help us to take that to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.